Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hi, Jen. Hi, Mayor. It's been a while. It sure has. So what episode are we on? This is episode number 60. Woohoo! If we had bells and whistles, I would be playing bells and whistles right now. <laughs> Insert fancy, fancy sound effects. Well, also, this is the, we're kicking off our third year of podcasting. And who would have thought that, huh? Well, certainly not me. I wasn't even sure if we'd get one episode done. And we amazingly got many episodes done. We've, we're slowing down a little bit right now in terms of our production rate. We had quite a heavy production rate last year. We sure did. And you know, if you think about it, we're actually producing an episode every two weeks on average. That's amazing. I know, it's incredible. So we hear a little bit of um, background noise. <laughs> Can you tell us? Um, well, we don't really have a guest, but we have a guest. We have a special guest today. Um, her name is Freya Jean, and she's my granddaughter, and I'm babysitting. So you may hear some little baby noises. And how old is Freya Jean? Freya is 12 weeks old. Wow, three months. It's so sweet. It just flew by. So if we hear any gurgling and little, little cries and little baby noises, that's what it is. We're not regressing as people. Ben and I are not turning into babies, though we've had our moments when being a baby sounds pretty good. (laughs) Um, It definitely has advantages, sometimes disadvantages for the babysitter, like, you know, work goes on, but uh, making the best of it. And honestly, how blessed am I to have a beautiful granddaughter during uh, to to keep me company like this? No, I think it's great. And she's such a... um, She's such a pleasant guest too. She likes, she looks right into Zoom. <laughs> we, uh, we record on Zoom for our listeners who are not aware. So we we can see each other and have a good conversation and Frey sometimes jumps right in. You know, Frey does a lot of Zooms. I, I mean, we're no different than all, all the other families these days. You know, people are Zooming here. There's kids, we have our dogs in the background and that's just the new way of life. We. Yep, FaceTime, Zoom. Otherwise, we don't get to see each other. That's right. And that's so important. Um, Mary, I have something to share. We're recording this on February 19th, which is National Caregivers Day. Isn't that fantastic? I just want to say thank you for being such a great caregiver, being such a good role model for others, and you know all that you do to take care of Tom, your husband, but the other members of your family and the caregiving community, you really do a lot. Well, and right back at you, you have, you have a playful of caregiving you do. You're doing it right now as you're giving Freya a little break in her bottle drinking for a little burp there and taking care of your brother and your mom and many years ago, your grandma, and you're oh. so out there on the national platform talking about caregivers and I appreciate it. As you, the more you grow out there nationally, the more I am here at home with caregiving responsibilities growing. I become less visible, you become more visible, and that's just the way it is, right? 
It's kind of strange. Um, I did get some national um, media exposure this week. I was um, uh, interviewed by Military Times. Um, Leo Shane uh, was writing an article about some research that was done comparing retired veterans and their families with um, younger veterans who didn't retire. Oh, baby. And um, I brought a, I, I think I brought an interesting perspective, you know, that isolation and loneliness is a real daily challenge for caregivers, for caregivers of older veterans, of younger veterans, caregivers of their parents, of children with special needs. And um, the more that we can do to help people feel connected, the less our caregivers are going to be at risk for serious mental health or even suicide. And um, it's my honor to be able to bring national awareness to issues like that. Well, it was a fabulous article. I shared it on our Facebook page, This Caregiver Life. So if people are looking for it, I shared that. And I, I also shared another piece that was uh, written by Sean Dietrich, I think is his last name. And he did a piece about um, caregivers. So yours is more specific to the military veteran caregivers and his is a more, more generalized to the caregiver population of mostly caring for, for parents, which is really where, what a lot of our caregiving in this country is, is caregiving for our, for our parents. And so I think the two pieces together uh, would, would give our listeners a good view of um, who else is out there like us, who's doing this and to feel more seen in what we do every day. And that sometimes just knowing that can reduce isolation. Yeah, I, I feel like every time an article comes out about caregiving and about the issues that other caregivers who see it on social media or read it at least feel that someone is recognizing their struggle. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it offers help or has a call to action, at least they know that a, awareness is being raised. I did want to ask you, you know, you are much more isolated than I am. Um, there was a time in my caregiving life when I was uber isolated. Um, and I talk about that when I, when I have, when I speak, but now my life is different. I have support structures and I'm not as isolated, but I wonder what, as you become more involved in your caregiving role, I know that you're feeling lonelier, more isolated, what what can you offer to other caregivers who may be feeling that? Wow, it's such a, gosh, it's such a big topic. Um, it's been a struggle. So I'll, I mean, I'll just start out by being totally transparent about that. It's been a struggle and I've communicated um, in messaging with some other caregivers I know, particularly the ALS caregivers who are, which is, which is an isolating enough disease, right? It's a very isolating disease because it's so, challenging for friends and family to know and understand the disease and the terminal nature of it and the amount of grief that is comes with that diagnosis, right? And so that isolates us in and of itself. Um, and then you add the pandemic on top of that and you add the continued care, the continued decline of your loved one that you're caring for. And man, you've got like a huge recipe for emotional and spiritual disaster at times. And I've, I've touched that a few times myself, but I have, I have done a couple of things recently that have been helpful. I've, I, um, 
when I'm exercising and, you know, I've, I've been running a lot lately and uh, I, I listen to podcasts and sometimes I listen to caregiver podcasts and sometimes I listen to podcasts that are just intriguing. I'm very interested in, um, like I listen to I Spy right now. I'm really, I really love that kind of intrigue, you know? And oh, so I, I love that. I also love that when I, when you listen to a podcast, you don't really feel alone. You feel like you're sitting there yes. talking to someone. And nobody's listening with you even. Like I have my earbuds in and I'm running on my treadmill and and then I think, wait, I didn't really get that. And I have to go back and listen. And what it does is it takes me out of my space of feeling lonesome and it puts me into a story. And I, you know, that's not gonna work for everybody but that works for me. I love a really good story. And so that really engages me. And then I might throw some music on and probably the exercise dominates my mornings in many ways. I do my caregiving tasks around my exercise, but it's really, it's really important for me to do that. And I've begun to, uh, to write again, which has been difficult to fit in. I think if I could say one thing to caregivers who are struggling, it's to find one thing that you feel defines you that's not related to caregiving. And I think that that can be really challenging. And I, I say that with, you know, complete respect for where our caregivers are in their life. But if you don't find something that's engaging to you alone as an individual, not related to your caregiver, to the disease or the condition with which your care recipient has, you could lose yourself and feel more lonesome than ever. So the podcast helped me a lot. And the, uh, and writing. And I love photography too, but I'm finding that more challenging for me to get out to do the photography. So I've had, I've had to fill the space with something else. And, and I think we had a big podcast on this in the spring. You have to give yourself grace. Yeah. I just listened, re-listened to that the other day because I needed to give myself some grace. And I find when we talk about, we talked about that on the podcast that it really spoke to me. So I was like, I was just going to re-listen to that. And it was really, it was such a good reminder of different tactics that I can use. And um, I think the times in my life when I really struggled, it was, I felt isolated from other people, but I also felt isolated from myself. And that's why finding just even one thing that you do for that's just you is really important. It's so important. And I, and of course our texting goes, you know, people don't know that, but we communicate all the time by text and that helps to keep me feeling some relevancy in the world, you know? Um, and I, so I think if you have somebody who you can communicate with on a regular basis, who understands your life without feeling, you know, terribly sympathetic all the time about your life is a really good place for you to be, you know? Um, but it's talk about offering sympathy. We were talking about it offline, but you know, oftentimes when we say to another person, I'm struggling with this, or my loved one just got diagnosed with this disease, um, or this problem is happening with my house. A lot of times the people that we're talking to, maybe it's on social media, maybe we make a post the response is about their experience, right? Instead of offering just kind words of support, hey, 
that sounds like it really stinks. And if you want to talk about it, I'm, I've been through it. If you want to hear my experience, private message me, but people don't do that. Instead, they just vomit what they went through. And it, I feel like it takes away from what I was trying to do in the first place, which was to say, listen, I'm struggling with this thing. Mm-hmm. That may not have an answer. We may not, be, may not be able to solve that problem right now, right? Like, you know, we, we have caregivers that are near and dear to our hearts that are in Texas right now. With mm-hmm. the horrible ice storm and freezing cold weather. And there's nothing that we can do for them. We cannot change. Some of them are, you know, just on the edge of life and death situations with their care recipient. And there's nothing that we can do for them, but we can listen to them. We don't always have to share our experiences. We can listen to them. I agree. And I think uh, one of my goals for this year was to do more listening than talking, which sounds kind of funny because I'm a motivational speaker and a podcaster, but I really want to do more listening than talking because I learned so much when I do listen to other people. Mm-hmm. Do I have a lot to share? For sure. I was the kid in school who always raised her hand to answer every question in class. And I'm seeing now that maybe I need to be the kid that doesn't raise their hand, that just absorbs more. And I think that's kind of hard. Like we're trained even on social media to always be responsive. You see a post and you respond. You read a post and you respond and then somebody responds to your response and you respond back to their response. And it, it's not often very deep conversations on social media either. So I think we can, we sometimes have learned to be uh, vapid. <laughs> we don't have much depth anymore with social media. You know? I am exploring a couple of new channels on social media. Uh, for our listeners, you know, Mayor and I are, are active on social media and this caregiver life has some, we have some great uh, social media profiles. We post a lot on Facebook and we tweet and sometimes we are on Instagram. I We are on LinkedIn, which is a great place for us to share job opportunities and to talk about the employment challenges of caregiving. But I'm uh, checking out Clubhouse and uh, I've been in Reddit for a long time, but uh, my son uses it a lot. So I've been checking it out. And um, I think I'd like to have some conversations on Clubhouse. I really like the format because it's audio social media. Um, and that's intriguing to me. Podcasting is a audio medium, but it's not interactive, you know, unless we have a guest. Uh, so... I'm wondering what you think about that. Fran thinks that's funny. (laughs) Yes. So I'm going to check out Clubhouse. And we'll never heard of Clubhouse. Yeah, it's new. Okay. Um, You set up an account and you can have conversations with other people can join in. So you and I could have a conversation about caregiving, just like we're podcasting. And other folks could jump in and they could talk to us about caregiving. Can we set up uh, an account for this caregiver life? Maybe I'll look into it and report back. But, you know, I love that we're always looking to try new things to see what we can do in this caregiving space for this caregiver life. Mm, I love that idea. I think it's a great idea. And it could um, be in addition to our podcast and then not, not have so many guests on the podcast. And so, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. When we have a guest on our podcast, 
it takes a lot of work on the back end for us to have a guest. We have to, we have to prepare ourselves. We have to develop some questions and do some research on our guests. Now, with the Military Veteran Care Network, having our Melissa's on for our last podcast, we know the Melissa's for a long time. We know Military Veteran Care Network. So it took, I don't know, five minutes of preparation, really, when you think about it. We use our format that we're comfortable with. But when we have guests that we don't know, it, it takes a lot of time. And in my, you're very busy being a grandma, <laughs> but you're very busy. You have two jobs and um, a new house and a partner in your life. And it's, you know, it's a lot for us to take that kind of time. I have a declining situation with my, with Tom, with ALS, and um, I, I'm not as dependable to be able to do the kind of prep that we did even a year ago. And that's the story really of something like ALS. I don't, I don't even know if there's anything quite like ALS, but that's the story with ALS. And I, we can podcast on the fly, not so easy to have guests on. Yeah, for sure. And that's the same thing with Reddit. Um, Reddit is not an audio format. Um, it's really kind of old school internet with the threads and it looks very Craigslisty. Um, it reminds me a lot of Yahoo Instant Messenger, which is how I communicated with my soldier when he was in Iraq. And, um, but I like Reddit because it can be a repository for information and it can also be used like for conversations. Um, we could do an ask me anything. They call them AMAs on Reddit and we could do one about caregiving. And I think that would be really interesting. So for our third year, I'm hoping that we try one of those. A fun fact about six years ago, um, I did an ask me anything Reddit thread with our friend Melissa Comal from episode 59's Military and Veteran Caregiver Network. Oh, what was it about? Uh, it was really about ask me anything about being a military and veteran caregiver. What was the response like? It was really interesting. We had um, a lot of folks who didn't know anything about caregiving, hadn't really ever thought about it, and wanted to ask questions. Oh, wow. Frey needs a little attention right there. <laughs> yeah. she, she has something to say about that. A lot of the folks were, um, you may hear a lot of beeps. I, uh, I had to get a new computer and um, I have no clue how to get the notifications to stop. So totally apologize for that. Um, but uh, the Reddit crowd does tend to be a little bit younger or maybe a little bit more, how oh, they're not mainstream per se. Okay. But there's some, it isn't all just about uh, GameStop stocks and giving each other, uh, young people giving each other video game advice. I'm on a thread in there about houseplants that I like very much. People post pictures of their sick houseplants and they get advice about how to bring them back to life. And, uh, and so, you know, for a caregiver who's looking for that thing, you know, that place where they can find a little bit of themselves again, maybe Reddit. Hmm, that's a good idea. I, I'm on Reddit, but like, that's just like saying nothing. <laughs> that just means I'm on Reddit, that's it. I think I've looked around there like once or twice, but it hasn't been my comfort level to be in there. 
So I'll look at it again, though. I will report back and share on social media if we do an Ask Me Anything, um, if we have a conversation on, um, if we have a conversation on the new uh, Clubhouse social media, I'll make sure that everybody gets gets notified. And you should be checking our social media because we post a lot of links to virtual support groups or um, articles about how to um, take care of your mental health, different resources that you can find for respite. So connecting with us on social media really can help you with your caregiver life. Well, you know, I would love to hear from our listeners and how they're handling respite care in the last year. I would too. I just read an article that, um, have you heard of ARC? Arch? Um, it's it's a, a national respite, or it's a national um, a lot of respite resource. They're an organization. They, um, they advocate for respite nationally. Um, and they also ha have a directory of respite that's available state by state. Um, you can go to arc.org, A-R-C-H.org. And um, because it does, it does vary state by state. Every state gets different kind of funding. They use it in different ways. And um, they just published a study about confidence in respite care providers, you know, because of COVID. And, and it's something that you and I have talked about a lot. And actually, it's something I struggled with long before COVID. When I first started getting help with my brother, um, I didn't trust people. I... I didn't have that sense of uh, that that anybody else could help do the thing that I was doing, and I, you know, I now know how critical it is for it was for me to have help. But a very interesting study. I'll post a link in the show notes, and uh, so everybody can take a look at it. Just came out today. Oh, really? Oh, I would love to read it. I'm very interested in that topic. I, I can um, never leave unless there's somebody here that I trust because he needs injections now. He needs um, some respiratory therapy every day. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things he doesn't need, but there's a lot of things he does need. And because those things are like, he doesn't, it's not like a choice to need those things or not. He has to have those things. And there's nobody else to do it right now. There's no family that lives close by. If my kids lived here, it would be different, but they don't. So having somebody else come in and do it, I have to train them and then I have to balance, do I want to train them? Well, and the stress of it all, thinking about it, thinking about the risks, thinking about the, the work that goes into the training. Um, for everybody, that is not worth the investment. No, it's not. It depends on what you have, it depends on what you're gonna do. Like if you have to go out for two hours to go get your hair done or go to medical appointments or whatever, fruit shopping, and you, or you just, you just want a two hour break, you could spend two hours training somebody to be here, but to take two hours and so it's worth it, right? Like, it's just crazy. It's just crazy to have to do all that, especially during the time of COVID. So I personally have not done it. And, and Tom is easy to care for. He's easy to have, he's easy to hang out with, but there's just this awesome responsibility at this level of caregiving I'm doing that I could use a two hour break from not thinking about it. And that I don't have that. So when yeah. I work out, I work out at home. I have my treadmill in the house. I sometimes go down to the beach and I go for a run, but frankly, it's been too cold and rainy for the last few weeks. 
And that's a good way to go get out of my mind for a little bit. But in general, I don't have the relief of respite care. And I can almost hear like people saying to me silently as they're listening to this, you need it, you need it, you should get it. And I can promise you if I could handle doing all the things that I needed to, to get the respite care, I would do it. In the meantime, I have figured out other ways of coping. That's right. And it's a balance. Some people are going to be able to do it, to, to use respite care in the traditional way we think of it, where they come in and you leave. Other people can use respite care where you have them go run errands for, you have the person go run errands for you so that you don't leave, but at least you get something taken off your plate. Um, for me, re the respite care providers are long-term. So these are people who come for five days a week. They're committed for months, years at a time. We've had people that signed on and stayed for years. And that's why I'm able, you know, I was able to invest the time, but it, it is a huge investment in training folks and getting them acclimated to your care recipient, getting your care recipient act, trained to the new person. Yeah, it's like, it's a lot of work up front. It's just like when you had kids and you had to train a babysitter to come in and know all the ins and outs of your child. And it's definitely an investment and it's a worthwhile investment under the right conditions. So right now yeah. with COVID, it's not a good condition for us because Tom is so vulnerable that I can't afford to have, like, so our doctor told us all of his patients that get COVID were really safe until that one time that they weren't. And we can't be that one time. I, no. I, won't, be, I won't be that one time. You know, it's not up to him. He can't go anywhere without me. So it's up to me to not be that one time that just, drops my, you know, my guard. And it can be easy to do. Look how long we've been doing this now, almost a year. Um, now, I want to ask you about inoculations. <laughs> that was so fun. <laughs> you and Tom, you've been inoculated, but it didn't come easy. No, and so with Tom, his community doctor here, um, got him, they gave the vaccine. They did a, they did a great job here. So I'll give them a shout out. New Hanover Regional Medical Center Physicians Group did a great job. They were really organized. They called him, they made the appointment. The second, the follow-up, the second shot is an automatic appointment they make for you. And again, really super organized. For me, I got mine through the VA caregiver program and it was a it was a huge challenge. I made a lot of phone calls. I was you know on VA hold for I don't know, probably half an hour one day, just waiting for somebody to pick up the phone. I was on hold, and then finally somebody picked up the phone. And wouldn't you know, we got disconnected. And then I kind of lost my interest for a minute. You know, I just kept fed up with those kind of phone calls. And so I called the caregiver support program and they said they have 48 hours to return the call. And I thought, well, forget it. They'll be done with all the vaccines. There won't be any left. And the closest place I could get one was two and a half hours from here at a VA uh, clinic. And I think that is a, I think people need to understand that uh, you may be eligible in certain areas and certain communities, but it doesn't mean it's gonna be close to your home. And for caregiver like you, two and a half hours, it's incredibly far away. Yes. And so I chose not to go to one that 
the main VA that we go to, there's a lot of traffic up there. It's, it's like, it can be a tough ride. I mean, it's not like I haven't done it a hundred times, but it's because I have done it a hundred times that I know that it is a really tough ride and I just, it wasn't up to it. So I found another one that was two and a half hours. It's a clinic from the main one, two and a half hours. It was a nice country road. And I said, I'm, I'm going to go. It takes longer to drive there and come back than it does to wait in line, get your shot and go back to your car, you know? But man, when I got that first vaccine and I haven't gotten the second one yet, um, I felt victorious. <laughs> All I could see was my little grandchildren's faces like, oh my God, I'm going to see these kids again. It's real. There's light at the end of the tunnel for us. That's how magnificent it felt. And we made the most of that drive. I got Tom a nice lightweight camera. He took photos on the way out there. We did a picnic lunch in the car. We had a service dog with us. We did it in a day. We turned it around and I had a slight headache. Now for the, when I got home. So the next one, my Kate's going to come, my daughter. She's going to try and come. I heard the second one can, can have some side effects and you wouldn't want to be in a tough spot. So she can't come. I'll prep some meals ahead of time. And... Uh, if she can come, it'll be great because she'll help drive on the way back. And um, it's just a matter of whether she can get the day off of uh, teaching or not. But ho hopefully she'll be able to come because it will make it a lot easier if I can do it in with having somebody here. Um, so yeah, getting the vaccine was a tough job to, to hunt it down and get it. And, you know, I made me really have so much empathy for people who would the older or older folks trying to get appointments, but how frustrating the system has been. My friend, uh, Cynthia had to use multiple computers several days in a row to try to secure her parents an appointment because they, you know, they're not able to in, go on the internet and do that and sit there and wait and figure it all out. <sighs> Thankfully she was able to get them appointments. Um, I've tried to pursue inoculation for my brother and myself and have not been successful. Um, unfortunately, even though my brother had some very serious health conditions, um, I haven't been able to get, uh, get him uh, in on a list. So um, it's sad. I, I feel the same way you do. Like it's just that going to be that one person. And I, I just want to make it like our caregivers who are listening now. I, we just want to make it to the inoculations. Mm -hmm. We do. That's it. We just want to be able to get through that. And it is very frustrating. I believe in my state, they put caregivers, they shifted them to the first phase. But still, I mean, I don't even know that you could get an appointment. You know, it takes, I get regular alerts for when they have vaccine appointments open in my county. And then 15 minutes later, the vaccine, I get another message that says that the appointments have all been filled. I, I, you know, I'm a resident of one state, go back and forth to another state. So the state where I would be eligible, I'm not a resident and you do have to prove res residency. The state where I am a resident, you don't actually have to prove residency to get the inoculation in Florida. And I'm not, uh, they haven't added family caregivers to the list yet. Um, all really crazy. Um, and it feels a little bit like buying a lottery ticket um, or being part of a lottery. Um, and I know that it, you know, it makes anxiety, can make us feel depressed, make us feel like other people are more important than us. Um, it's, it's such a strange time to be alive, isn't it, Mayor? 
Yeah, it is. Well, we have a lot of responsibility because we have people that without us um, are going to have a real, a real problem surviving in the world. So it's not to say that other people can't fill our shoes, but you know, they can and people will. People we know and love, our family members will step up. Um, your son will step up. My kids will step up. But, but why if they didn't have to? You know, it's not something that like if we have a car accident and we die in a car accident, well, that's totally not preventable, right? And so with the vaccine, we know if we have the vaccine, we can at least eliminate that as a problem, as an issue for our family and our care recipients and for us. I mean, I can't yeah. even imagine being that sick and then starting to provide care. Oh, I, I can't imagine. I'm saddened also when I see the news and I hear that I heard the news yesterday, a hundred people didn't show up at our VA for their second shot. Oh, wow. And that's a hundred shots that then can't be used, right? Because they don't have a shelf life. Right. And I'm thankful to you because you sent me a link where we could keep track of notifications that there were people who didn't show up for appointments. Um, I've been keeping an eye on it. Um, it's, it's hard to be reactionary as a caregiver. And when you work and when you babysit, it's it's hard to even think, well, if I got a notification today, could I could we even go? And I know a lot of our caregivers are listening to that. So we talked we talked a lot about COVID in the last year in our last 20 episodes or so, but that's for a reason because it's such a big part of our life. I hope that as a society we learn a lot from this about, about how we react to global pandemics and about how we take care of one another. Yeah, like we are, we are pipelines for each other. You know, in the beginning, you were sending out a lot of supplies to people and things that people couldn't get and um, had that big piece that that guy wrote in the I forgot what newspaper was that in the military Times? Stars and Stripes. Actually. Stars and Stripes about your effort it was a real underground effort that we had channeling throughout the country that you were really spearheading and, and now we're on the same trail for, you know, a vaccine. And it's it can be frustrating. So I'm get I'm so I'm going to ask you then. You couldn't go for those those 100 slots that were open because it was for the second dose. The second dose can't be the same as the first dose. Is that it? I don't know. I I think that it must be. Hmm. It's got to be right. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough about it, but because you could, that would have been great. You both guys could have both gotten a shot. So, but the next time, cause it'll happen again. Cause people get sick and they can't go or they've died and they can't go. I mean, we're talking about a lot of older veterans who are coming in. Like I, I look like I was like a kid in the middle of the veterans and I'm 61 years old. Like these veterans were much, much older than me in line to get the vaccine, right? And I had Tom, I left him out in the van because he had still only had his first shot. So he had to go, he had to go wait outside so he wouldn't be exposed to everybody. But um, I mean, I'm guessing there's a lot of reasons why people don't show up for them. So I got my hair cut last week and um, Fred, can I get mine too now? <laughs> oh my gosh, your hair is so long. Um, if you're listening and you haven't had any haircuts in the last year, you're not alone. But I decided to get my hair cut and um, uh, the, the gal that that cuts my hair is a caregiver, is a caregiver, but not full-time. Um, her daughter has cerebral palsy and cognitive impairments. And she 
um, as when she became an adult, um, she moved into a group home. And so she her daughter has been inoculated, which is wonderful. But, um, you know, the my 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 hairdresser hasn't been able to get inoculated. So she, you know, she worries about getting sick and then her daughter will be the ward of the state. Um, and so, you know, you think about, well, there are other people who will take care of them and they will, but nobody takes care of you like a family caregiver, even if you don't live with them. No, that's true. They don't. I, I think that's the biggest concern that we have. We don't, we don't just, we don't just worry about us. We have somebody else who depends on us 24 seven, even if you don't live with them, they still depend on you to organize, organize a care. I've seen that out with my sister my mom is in assisted living and my sister couldn't see her for a long time because they had COVID similar to your mom in her facility. And, you know, it's, it weighs on you because they depend on you to be there for them in certain ways, you know, whatever it is, you know, we don't even have to sit here and define all the reasons why we just know that they do. And it weighs on us. It's not like it used to be where we didn't have to, we just had to think about our own selves, which I don't even remember that time. Do you? <laughs> no. Um, gosh, no, but I do want to say, I, I do like calling it weight, the, you know, the weight of it all. I don't like using the word burden. Yeah. Um, because I don't want to ever, I don't want to ever anybody to ever think that I've been burdened as being a caregiver. It's, it is heavy. It is a huge responsibility and it's a, it's a huge honor you know, to have people in my life that love and care about me and I love and care about them. And so we're, you know, I'm willing to do it for them. And I tell people this all the time. If the roles were reversed and I got blown up and had all these, you know, needed somebody to take care of things and keep an eye on me. I know my brother would do it in a heartbeat. I know he would. Of course he would. And so would your son. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel, I feel the same way. And I, um, I know Tom would take care of me. I see, you know, it's just a year ago. I had the gallbladder surgery. Oh my gosh. I know a whole year has flown by <laughs> an organ. I don't miss <laughs> 20 episodes. I can't, I can't believe it. I can't thank our listeners enough for being part of this journey. Um, we get a lot of inquiries about being a guest on the show. A lot of authors um, would like to talk about their books. Um, we have a lot of uh, connections in the caregiving space. And uh, it, it's just so flattering that people care enough about caregiving and this caregiver life to be uh, that in touch with us. So we have a new plan coming up. We're gonna try for people who have written a book about caregiving or have some kind of a product um, we're going to put this information on our website. Um, but if you, if you have written a book about caregiving and you would like to um, share it with our listeners, we're going to have you ship us a copy uh, so that we can review it. Um, we may have some author interviews where uh, we don't want to overwhelm our listeners with the, you know, becoming a, a, a book review podcast. There are plenty of those out there, but we, we are going to work those in from time to time. So we just wanted to let you know about that change too. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be a good change and we'll, 
We'll continue doing our podcast periodically. Um, hopefully every two weeks or so, we'll be able to catch up with each other and, and uh, drop a podcast. I think that would be good for our audience. And if I, I think if our listeners have any ideas on topics they want us to cover, we're happy to do that as well. I would be happy on our next podcast to talk about how I lost 55 pounds over the last 20 months. Okay, let's do it. And let's talk about people gaining weight. By people, I mean me. <laughs> and we can talk about why, uh, why that's important and what we can do about it, how we can support one another. Because um, it, is, it is an important topic, taking care of our health. Uh, so let's make that episode 61. We talked about weight today. We might as well carry it on into the next episode. Yeah, let's do that. That's a, that's a preview for our next episode. We'll talk about how to care for our bodies, which helps our, our soul, our inner soul, our spiritual self in our mental health by being healthy. And that's the reason why I chose to lose weight when I did. So um, yeah, let's definitely talk about that. And it's, it's definitely a challenge as a caregiver. Um, this afternoon, uh, I think that you're tuning in as well. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to participate in the HFC CareCon Caregiving Convention. It's National uh, Caregivers Day, and um, HFC. You, you may have heard of it. If you haven't, check it out. Um, it's actually was founded by Seth and Laura Rogan. Um, yes, the comedian Seth Rogan, um, and his lovely wife, whose mother suffered from early onset Alzheimer's actually. Um, and so they uh, served in the caregiving role and started HFC as a nonprofit that actually provides free respite care to caregivers of folks with Alzheimer's. So you should check them out because they not only it's free, did I, did I say that free respite care? If you're, free. <laughs> they also have peer support groups and they're doing a lot of things like today's uh, caregiving conference. I'm excited to tune in. Um, there's some celebrities participating. I think uh, they said Lisa Gibbons was going to be on and Sean Hayes. He's a really funny actor. Uh, folks who are actually caregivers. So we've got, they've got some celebrity caregivers. And um, Sanjay Gupta is going to talk about how you can keep your brain uh, sort of Alzheimer resistant. Mm -hmm. And I want to do that because, Mayor, I know I'm not 50 yet, almost, but um, sometimes I mix up words and I catch myself and I think, oh God, it's starting. <laughs> I know, I feel the same way. I did a, um, I bought a long-term care insurance policy, you know, like something that will pay for you if you have to go into assisted living kind of thing. And I had to do um, the screening and one of the screenings was like a cognitive thing. And it was like, they were reading all these words and <laughs> And it was over the phone. And then she was saying, and don't write this down. You're not writing this down, are you? And remember these words and say them back. And I was like, oh my God, I don't even remember my own name today. <laughs> I'm glad that you did that. My cousin is an attorney and she recommends everybody get long-term care insurance for their 60th birthday as a present to themselves. Um, would love to do an episode about it because I think it's something we should uh, we should educate others about. Yeah, maybe she'll come on and be a guest. All right, we can friends and family like Freya. Well, Freya has um, she's still with us, but she fell asleep. So thanks everybody for putting up with the, our baby guest today. <laughs> but she's so adorable, and you can't stand it. She has to be on. But I could probably have to put her on. <laughs> she's too noisy. 
<laughs> He's too big. And one day Freya will be too, but right now we love to have him Freya on. Yeah, I'm gonna take a picture so we can share it on our social. Okay. <laughs> that was good. Mayor, it's been a delight. 60 episodes have flown by. I feel like I'm a better caregiver because of your guidance and because of your support of this caregiver life. So thank you again and happy National Caregivers Day. And you too. I'm a better caregiver because of you as well. You're a great listener and you're really good at just letting me kind of dump things on you once in a while, knowing that there's nothing you can do. <laughs> well, you can always send an emoji. <laughs> No, it works. I appreciate you. And I, I hope our other caregivers who are listening have um, somebody in their life too that they can connect with and, and just hold each other up once in a while. That's right. Find, find somebody to help, help you get through this caregiver life because that's really, that's really the key to it all. Yep. And in the meantime, we'll see you the next time. Until next time, Mayor. All right.